Welcome once again to Casual Nonsense. I'm Mark, and I'm still your host. If you are feeling generous today, please share this podcast with at least one friend or family member. Don't hog all this awesome for yourself. Let's make sure that everybody gets to hear it too. Sharing is caring. Today, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Colin Ryan. Uh, Colin, uh, I struggled to describe him with the right words, but I'm going to go with a comedic financial expert. So traditionally, those two words probably wouldn't go together, but somehow Colin pulls it off pretty good. I think you'll understand why when you listen to the show. I actually once referred to him as a financial expert with personality, and all of that comes out uh, in today's show. So anyway, we talk about money habits, his book, which I've actually read 100%, uh, start to finish, which is odd for me. And we also talked about his mental health and how that's affected him and his life and his work. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Uh, I know that I did. So uh, enjoy the show. Thanks. All right, Colin, what's up, man? What's up, Mark? Welcome to the, welcome to Casual Nonsense, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, making the making the trip. It was about twenty minutes away. You live? Is that- yeah, I've already been having fun. I was like, we should turn. We should turn this on. We should record. (laughs) (laughs) We were just shooting the shit for the last 20 minutes about some cool stuff. Uh, So we'll we'll probably bring that back, uh, some of it anyway. But uh, let's just talk about you for a moment. You know, we'll do some formalities, if you will. Okay. Um, I've become kind of a guest stalker on this show. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm trying to find guests, I I try to find some strangers. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this before. But so I'm searching for... You're, you know, we'll say for sake of argument, you are a financial expert. Like we're going to label you that whether you feel it's right <laughs> Is that going to be an argument? <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Not for me. Right. So, uh, so I was searching for a financial expert and I found you. So that's why you're there. Uh, so, but what was interesting about you was, you know, you also have a background in, in, in comedy, like a stand-up, yeah. stand-up comedy as well. So uh, I think that fits into the show because with the financial pieces, you can really educate myself and some users, like at least the option to. But then more importantly, we're going to entertain everybody. You know, you don't have to tell jokes per se, but I think that just from talking <laughs> to you a couple of times, like the personality comes out and yeah. jokes just happen to appear. Yeah, it's a strange, uh, a strange thing I stumbled on. It was it was actually about 14 years ago, something like that. And uh, in 2008, there was obviously the big housing bubble collapse, and that was a horrible time. And one of the good things that came out of that was a lot of grants for financial literacy education. I'm a broke journalist. I'm kind of in my mid-20s. Like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. And I see this job ad to teach financial oh, literacy. Tell then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mid twenties now. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm like, damn, you look good from mid twenties, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in my. Like, all right. Let, let me. I like to tell stories in the present tense. In 2009, I'm in my mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Uh, for, for listeners, there's no way that I look 25. (laughs) So, so I see this job ad to teach financial literacy and I didn't really have a meaningful career going. I wasn't making money. I wasn't excited about what I was doing. So a typical 20 year old has no idea what to do. Yeah. And with all of the pressure added to myself of like, I should have this figured out by now, you know, which now I go, Oh, that's literally part of that part of your life and also will always be yep. part of your life. But um, so I got this, uh, I go to apply to this job and it's like, I don't know anything about managing money, nothing. <laughs> I'm broke. You know, I know how to 
buy a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Perfect. Yeah. And like, you know, subsist. That's about it. Anyway, I get the job because I have stand-up comedy in my wheelhouse, storytelling. I'm uh, comfortable in front of an audience. And then I realize now I have to teach high school kids, like one of the toughest audiences. So that was the subject. The job was you were a teacher? Yeah. Well, I was a guest speaker. I was hired by a credit union. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I would go into any school. I lived in Vermont at the time and I would go into any school in Vermont for free and talk to high school students, like guest speaker in a I class. I make Vermont jokes. You say you went to either school that's in Vermont. Yeah, either school. <laughs> <laughs> I went to both Vermont schools back Well, and forth. it's funny because you say that. I lived in Burlington, which is the biggest city in Vermont, and I did not know most of the places in Vermont that I ended up driving to. Okay. And so I got to actually, like, discover my own state and, uh, you know, talk to a lot of students. And the reason I'm telling you the story is because – I came to this subject the way I think most people do, which is I tolerate it. I know I need to know it, but it's not like, yes, you know, charts. <laughs> You're really excited about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Compound <laughs> interest. Like, tell me more. And I think that has become my methodology as an educator, as a, I've written a book on it. I produce videos on it. I do a lot of talks is I'm just looking for the line when it becomes boring and then let's call it out. Okay. Because if we can get past it, this stuff is actually really transformative for your life to build better habits. Everybody needs to have it, right? Yeah. Everyone needs to know how to be better financially savvy. Yeah. Right. But you're able to, what it sounds like to me is you're able to almost make fun of, not yourself, but you're able to kind of poke fun at something you're supposed to be an expert in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Supposed to be an expert is a fair, fair term for it. You know, I'm always learning new things. Mm -hmm. And I also think that people think you have to be an expert to take action on this. And, and I've kind of studied the industry enough to go, Hey, you know, as the expression goes, the emperor has no clothes. Like sometimes the people who seem like the experts are really good at sounding confident. Oh yeah. And they're making up terms to confuse the rest of us. That's probably most CEOs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I think there, there, there's an element to that, especially in the financial industry. So I feel like my job is I'm a little downstream from that. And I'm trying to welcome people into this conversation and developing their own relationship with money yep. so that they can have the life that they want. Not because like we should just talk about finances all day, but because it's a, it gets you to where you're trying to go. Well, I think most people are afraid, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they don't, and generally speaking, you're going to be afraid of what you don't understand, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and that's I, a good I, insight. I swear that's from movies. I think it's from, uh, I think it's from Batman. If I'm not mistaken, I forget. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you thinking of? The right. When he's like, uh, oh, yeah. When he, when he talks to, uh, was it Falcone or whatever? And he's like, you know, when he's sitting in the bar and he's like, people fear what they don't understand. Yeah. You know, and that's. I want to become a symbol. I want to become, I want right. to fear into the. To the, I want to scare the people who scare others. Right. So, so that's in, kind of an amazing analogy. In a sense, you are now Batman. So <laughs> there you go. Here's, Keep what it. I, here's what I love about that, Mark. <laughs> it's like, that energy, right? I need to create something terrifying, something that, you know, that's the same energy um, subtextually of like two people being like, let's call it a collateralized debt obligation so that no one knows what that means. Yeah, you just said it. And right? I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know what language that is, bro. <laughs> that's kind of a perfect example, I think, of when I look at some of these financial terminology specifically to investing, I think this was not built. For as a user experience, this was built almost to keep people out. 
And I think the net result of that is that a lot of people are afraid to invest. They're afraid to get a credit card because you feel like there's all these terms I'm supposed to understand. And I think in a sense, Mark, my message to people is you're not supposed to understand it. It's it's not made to be intuitive, but if you take a workshop, you sit down for an hour or two, read about this, learn about it, you'll push through to the other side, Okay, right? It's just recognizing the language. So I kind of love that analogy because I, I do often think, man, if we really wanted people to be financially successful, we wouldn't come up with these complex terms for these these right. assets and vehicles that people could be using. Well, you think like if you're if you're at the top of the of the money chain, if you will, right? So anyone, mm-hmm. you know, the anyone I, I don't want to, I'll just say any other rich people that are up top that that understand money yeah. and that's why they're millionaires or whatever they are, but I think that if society wanted everyone at the bottom to have that information, well, how come it's not taught in school? You know, how come we don't teach about, you know, 401ks or just savings accounts? Like, how come these things are not more mainstream? And maybe they'll get to that point. I think there's a lot of clamoring for such things. Like when you think about life skills, I see things on, oh, these these are 10 life skills not not taught in school. Right. When I was in school, they didn't teach us, you know, Microsoft Office, right? It wasn't a huge thing then. Yeah. Uh, I got a nine-year-old that comes home and she's running PowerPoint presentations. And I'm like, hey, how do you, can you show me how to, you know, make this picture move or, you know, so she's doing all these cool things. And I'm like, if I could do that when I was nine, I'd be in a better situation today, you know, just you have that base, but that's the world that we live in these days. So. Yeah. And I think you're right that the education we have access to plays a huge role. And I have good news and bad news about financial education. The good news is over the past year or two, colleagues of mine have been very active in States all over the U S they have added something like 10 states who now require a financial class in high school. In high school, okay. Yeah, so th- there's a movement happening, and I want people to know, because why would most people know this if they didn't pay attention to these things like I do? However, that brings the total to about 20. 20 so, states? Yes. Okay. So we're talking well under half yep. of states in the U.S. in 2023 require Students have any type of financial education. So then they go to college, right? They sign all these loans. They start making all these decisions about how to spend money socially, living, new area, all these things. And then they leave college and get their jobs. And it's like this, the thing that they needed, never, they never got it, was that education that what I call unbiased mentors, right? People who are going to be like, here's what I want you to know, not because I'm selling you something. Because I really want you to succeed. Well, I was going to say that, too, because if you think about if you don't get that education, the the unbiased view in high school, then you go to whatever college or university, if that's the next direction you go. Yeah. And they teach it somewhat there. But now you're paying that university to take to teach those to you. Totally. Uh, or if you don't go to university or that's not part of your curriculum. Well, now you have to reach out to like a financial advisor yeah. or or somebody that has an agenda because they're taking your money to teach them those. I mean, there's free things out there and there's, there's, there's ways to do that if you're savvy enough, I suppose, but, yeah. um, but you're, you're working from behind. Yeah. And it's, it's on you. Unfortunately, it's like a lot of things in America. Yeah. It's on you. Yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know why, but it is. And right. I think, I think, you know, something I would want, you know, your listeners to know is this phrase fiduciary, any advisor that you talk to, you should ask them directly 
are you acting as a fiduciary? And what that term means is that you are bound to serve my interests as the client above your own. Not all advisors have that. There are whole advisor networks that are all fiduciaries. Okay. But I always want people to know because the way we get education partially is through people who are going to teach us in order to sign us on to the, to manage our investments or sell us an you know insurance policy. And that's okay as long as you feel like you trust that person. And so that's why I try to empower people is like, just ask the question. And if they say yes, great. If they say no, also great because you can leave. Yeah. And third option, if they give you a bunch of word salad – <laughs> then it's and you no. don't feel like you heard a yes in there. <laughs> yeah. Then you go, okay, like now I know because trust is so important, you know, in that relationship. That's a, that's a, that's, I didn't, I guess I never realized that you see, you know, you see commercials or whatever and they, oh, we're a fiduciary or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, until today, so I can don't go. learn anything else today. There it is. And to my yeah. last point I made previously, Mark, fiduciary. What in that word sounds like what we're talking about? It's like it's this Latin cryptic. Right. I couldn't spell it if I if yeah. I had a gun in my head. You know what I mean? So it should be it. called you know the good vibe question. You know, like am I getting a good vibe off this person? Right. So you know that's I think a part of my job is to be let's call it a translator and okay. just say you know four hundred one k is another funny example. It's named after the tax code. In the IRS tax code subsection, uh, item 401, subsection K. Doesn't that make you want to just like t- fall asleep? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like, I just, I just dozed off even, actually as you were saying. So did I. <laughs> even saying it, I, I felt myself just like age, just grow older. It's like mm. subsection K. And so I say that because that's why they called it that. What you need to know is that that's an option for you when you work at a company. It's like, do you have a retirement account? Option like a 401k that I could be putting part of my paycheck into. Me personally, Mark, I waited two years to get clarification on that question Mm. because I felt stupid. I felt like I should get it. When did when did 401k become mainstream? Like late 80s, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. About late 80s. There was some. I watched something on Netflix and they were doing this thing about money, and that's like it's it kind of piqued my interest. There was a whole episode on credit cards and 401k. So, um, but I think that's one of those things. Like you said, it's on you, the person to go find that information. Yeah. So whether that's a Netflix thing or if you're on YouTube or you Google something and then, then you find someone that you trust and then you listen to them. So yeah, money, uh, money sucks because not, we don't have enough of it and people just want to have it and then buy whatever they want. And, you know, and then not, not have to worry about it, but yeah, that's a few and it far create, between. I think it creates a lot of stress, Mark. It I, does. I, I relate to that in my own life and I see a lot of people who it, it impacts them and, you know, my career has been really rewarding. I started in high schools, like I was saying, and then I was also saving money and building credit and learning all these things in my own life, kind of catching up. And I was able to save enough money to go off on my own and okay. start this as a business. And so as a business business owner now, like 10 years, I speak at colleges and I speak at companies all over the country. So what that means is I get access to lots of people who I get to have this very kind of, ooh, taboo conversation with, right? And you see a lot of patterns. Um, Most people, their first experience of money, like as a little baby or a little kid, is weirdness. Like, my parents are very weird when this subject comes up. Yeah. Or uncomfortable, I should say. 
And so your first observation is, oh, you shouldn't talk about this. Da- that's installed So when you, yeah, <laughs> at a young age. If your parents are teaching that because of whatever for whatever reason, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I, and I do meet a lot of students who, so I'll ask them, I've been asking lately, how old were you when you had your first conversation about money, including now, you can say <laughs> oh, now, yeah, she, you know, this is, this is the first one. This is <laughs> and it. I, I yeah. get a lot of nows, you wow. know, which is why I love that this is my job. Cause I get to be that first walk through the door yeah. moment, but you know, every now and again, someone will say four. And I'll go four and they'll be like, yeah, my dad taught me about like retirement at four, you know? <laughs> and so like, that's awesome. I'm if sure that was... went far. You retained yeah. a lot of that, I'll bet. <laughs> that's great, dad. Can you pass the puzzle piece? Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. I was like, what question did you ask that he segued into retirement? <laughs> He's like, I just wanted an ice cream. And then he was giving me this while I have no money because that's retired. You know, exactly. Dad, can funny. I have a sandbox? Well, son. I tell you what, if you save one piece of sand <laughs> and tomorrow you save two, like, I don't know how he got there, but I, I think it's quite rare, but also real that people have good mentorship yeah. from their parents. But here's the other thing I wanted to tell you. This is like my philosophy about money based on all these conversations is that everybody wants to talk about money. They just don't want to be bored and they don't want to be preached at. Right. And that's most people's experience. It's very boring. It's very dry. Or I've, you're making me feel dumb. So my thing is, if you could be in the middle of those two goalposts, right, that's a lot of room in there. Then you're tapping into the fact people really do want to ask questions. And talk well, what if it. I added one more to that? What if it's, yeah. you know, money is something that to most people is kind of private, right? You touched mm. upon it a little bit. Like if your parents aren't talking about it or if you were raised that way as a – as a teenager or a young adult, when you become an older adult, whether you're married or whatever, same thing. You, you know, so when, when if you see people talk to you for the first time and you might have these 40 and 50 year old adults, yeah. you know, and I don't know the crowd that you get, right. But that's got to be hard for them to just kind of finally say, Hey, uh, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this or whether it's you or even like a financial advisor, because now someone's going to say, well, in order for you to, to give them the help that they need, it's like, well, they need to look at your books, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, how much are you making? How much are you saving? What are your bills? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's programs for that so you can figure that stuff out. But um, that's like that's a hard thing to to want to open up to somebody because that's something that's personal and private to say, well, this is the money I make per year. This right. is, you know, oh, I spend money. Like no one wants to admit they spend this much on takeout food or, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever your yeah. entertainment funds are. Like, you know um, – so that's going to be tough. They call it um, – I've heard this described as getting financially naked. Financially naked. Yeah. Okay. So you can see why that would be very uncomfortable for people. By the way, that's a potential name for this episode. <laughs> Excuse me. I just choked okay. on one. Financially naked. I don't know who said it first. My friend Erin Lowry, she wrote the book Broke Millennial. <laughs> I heard it from her. I don't know if it was hers or someone else's, but I want to give credit but yeah, so you can see why that's uncomfortable right off the bat. But so this is where my other philosophy about money comes up that I wanted to share, which is everyone you know is a success and a mess. So that's success out front, a mess behind yes. closed doors. So yeah. that's the truth is like when you get financially naked and show that stuff to an advisor and, oh, my God, I'm my, my shoe budget is out of control or whatever it is. Or I'm this far away from paying off my mortgage and it's like keeping me up at night. I think what's important to remember is there's probably something you could be doing better, but there's also probably something you're actually doing really well. And so I think that the idea of doing a budget 
looking at your numbers, also could lead you to go, whoa, I'm killing it in the way I spend money on vehicles over my life. Like I've saved thousands of dollars every time because I make a different choice than most people make. See what I mean? Yeah. So it's also a confidence builder. It's not just like you go in and you show them all this stuff and they're like, you're right. You're right. There's no hope. And right. then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's funny. So to the point, so everything we're talking about here, right? So you, you will talk about finance, but you want to do it in a way where it's easy to the yeah. point where then you decide to write a book about it. Yeah. Right. So uh, a comedic guide to money. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Uh, when did that book come out? Uh, 2018 or 2019. Okay. Well, I bought a copy. <laughs> oh, was, cool. Oh, was, look at that. I was hiding it. Hey. Right? So I can tell you that I'm not a reader. I got it in <laughs> on Monday. So I'm almost oh, half, th- I'm almost halfway through oh, this. My this, gosh. this one is the wife's. The wife took it and she started reading it. So I'm the, the little yellow so, paper here. Okay. Oh, wow. So I'm on chapter three, I think. And they're long chapters. There's like seven in the whole book. Yeah, so four. three, three, so four is pretty good. I finished three. I'm on four. I was trying to take notes as I was reading on this. So um, what I what I got out of it so far was a couple things. One, I just installed the Mint app. You mentioned it. I'm good, like, oh, what's good. the Mint app, right? So last year, the wife and I were trying to do our finances, right? So I'm like, well, I'm going through all these bank accounts. I'm putting in the spreadsheet. Such a pain in the ass. So I did it for like three straight months, and I'm making pivot charts and I'm like, Oh, this is great. Oh, like wow. all this stuff, but it would take me far longer than yeah, I ever yeah, want to spend yeah. on it. So I, I look at mint and I'm like, let me just, you know, check this out. I, I sign in a couple of apps and then I hit go and then, Oh, it's already broken down for me. Oh, look at that. It's got my net worth in here and it's got, you know, all the different things. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's free by the way. So there you go. Yeah. I'm so glad it, it, it fits a, with budgeting, I'm huge pusher that's not the right word but i'm promoter of the idea of a budget push. we can push on I'm this a show. budget fine, pusher yeah. <laughs> that's so dorky <laughs> i'm a real budget pusher i i'm a real promoter of budgeting because it's like again it's like getting financially naked but it's almost just like it's just you and you're just looking at your your information right so yeah. it's it's more like awareness or like having a diary of thoughts or food or whatever it is spending diary and there's two kind of ways that that people can select in or if you're a person who I don't want to write this stuff down every day I just want to get started then mint's great because you connect your credit card like you did and then it's going to start to track it for you yep there's another category which are people who I really want to know each day like yeah I want to pay attention how am I spending here what you know could I be changing that and so there's a different type of budgeting and an app for that is called YNAB you need a budget Okay. And so that would be kind of like active tracking of your, like each day you have to reconcile, like what category did this $5 oh, that, go into? Does that yeah. require more manual? It requires more manual. Okay. Um, but it's also like, it's probably your highest value, let's say, is doing that. But what I love about Mint is like, you just get started. You get started, live your life three, four weeks. Well, awareness. And then you right? like go in and you're like, okay, all right. When I first did this, when I was doing the spreadsheets last year, you don't realize like how much you like what we would spend on groceries or um, I dare say takeout. Yeah. Right? Because it's just, it's just convenience, right? I mean, we yeah, got yeah. a handful of kids living in here and you know, we work. So it's like when you come home, there's not always, oh, it's dinner time. We're going to make dinner and this is what we do. You know, ideally you want to make some dinner and make enough of it with his leftovers and that's your lunch the next day. So you're not yeah. buying lunch the next day. Um, and there'd be some weeks where we'd have those pushes, but 
Uh, you know what I also figured out there, not to go off the subject too much, I realized how much we spend in electricity in this house mm. because uh, I don't think a single person in this house, myself included, knows how to turn a light switch off when you leave the room. So <laughs> it's really the hardest thing. I had a solar company come out and to give me a quote, and there was only so many panels you can fit on my roof. And they yeah. said, well, this will cover, I think it was like 70% of your bill. I'm like, what? <laughs> so then I really started diving into it. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I don't want to pay two bills. Like, I don't need yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So – but it's uh, but there you go right it's it's you're more actively engaged in what this habit translate to yeah. in cost you know and i mean i grew up with a stepfather who was always switching off the lights and i was just like oh why it's so annoying you know and now i'm like as an adult <laughs> I've become you're that like guy oh yeah house. yeah <laughs> and i think in so many ways the habits of our parents we go like Oh, that makes more sense now that I'm an adult. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was six, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't paying the mortgage. You right, know, right. <laughs> I wasn't connected to these things. My so dad think, used to say, uh, "Hey, Mark, are you in the uh, are you in your bedroom right now?" And I clearly I'm in the kitchen, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, "Why's the light on?" Yeah. Why's oh. the light on? <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, passive aggressive back fair, in the fair 80s." Fair point, you know? Dad. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> so I find myself thinking like that, and I and I do that. Like my my daughter has come home from work. And like they leave their the ceiling fans on, like that's suddenly yeah. like an air conditioner when they're not home, right? So those are on, you know, if there are any phone chargers plugged in, even with nothing connected, like this is all pulling power. Right. So uh, I don't do it every day, but if I walk by their room and I happen to see like a like a like a blue light or red, you know, I'm I'm powering things off. I'm like so they come in and I know that they're cussing me out. So yeah, right. And you're you're saying something that's like a common challenge for folks is how do I pass these this idea on to somebody else who doesn't quite get it yet, you yeah. know, a younger person, for example. And so something that I often talk about is how did you make the switch from being like them to thinking like you do now? Like, was there a moment when you kind of had the light bulb, like you said, looking at the bill and going, oh, wow. Yeah. When uh, did this get so high? Exactly. Yeah. And so I think there's something to be said for trying to connect to that moment in your child's life or in a young person's life where you're like, I was I totally get that. I totally see where you're coming from. Let me tell you how I, my thinking changed. And I think that when you are an adult or an expert or you're further down the line, this becomes a really important practice is how do I put it in the language of somebody who's not there yet? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the language is, is obviously one of those things too, but you touched on like they're not paying the mortgage, they're not paying those bills. So it's just a, I think a human reaction. Just you take for granted where you are. I mean, as a mm -hmm. as a parent of kids living in the house, yeah, you know, it's my responsibility to, you know, roof over the head, food, and all that, all that fun yeah. stuff. And you know, you do it because you want to do it because you love your kids. But it's not all fun. <laughs> all that fun it's stuff, mostly fun, like it's paying mostly, bills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a blast. But, but they don't understand that until they have an opportunity to be on their own a little bit. Yeah, um, and it could be as simple as you know paying car insurance, or you pay for your own phone, yeah. or whatever that is. So my kids recently, uh, with their cars, like they're now paying their own car payments. Yeah, you know they're in their name now because they're old enough. Hey, this is in your name. You're paying for this. So and they're they're good. I mean, they work. They're responsible. They do what they're supposed to do. But you know, it's still, they're not quite at that level where they give a shit about the lights being left on, you know? So where me, I'm trying to be yeah, a little cheap. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I can shave 10 bucks off the electric bill this month, you know, cause we live in North Carolina, you know, my AC's on 
all summer and my heat's on all winter. And I just had an idea. Okay. Tell me what you think of this. Um, let's say you could figure out, because you mentioned pivot tables, so I, yeah. I, I know a little bit about you. <laughs> you're willing to do the, the, the fine math and calculate out. Let's say you took your electricity bill and you projected if we turned off, I mean, you might be making this up a little, but let's say if you're, were you talking about your daughter in yep. this example? Yep. Every time you turn the light off, if you do that like 10 times a month, that could save us as much as 10 bucks, let's say. Let's just say. Yep. So what you could do is like she could get a dollar each time she turns off the light. You know what I mean? Like take this, some kind of incentive to take do it. this concept that's very amorphous and grown up and put it into a framework of like reward, penalty or reward. I can put that into a gas card. That's something that she would yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm making this up. I'm, yeah. You could do better with this idea, but it strikes me that that's what we get to do is like, how yeah. do we make this work in your life well, right you know, now? You know what they have, um, you know, again, on the subject of tracking electricity, right? There's something that's, I think it's called Sense. And I almost bought it last year. It's a, uh, I think it's like maybe two, $250. And you add it to your um, electrical box, wherever that is in your house. Yeah. And you got to have an electrician install it. And what it does is that it identifies it's on the Wi-Fi, So it takes, I think maybe two or three days and it connects to all the breakers in the house. Yeah. So what I could do is then that's an app that you can follow along and I can say, okay, well, breaker six, uh, pulls the most like, Oh, is that the washer and dryer? Oh no, that's this kid's room. Or that's, this is my home studio. Maybe I'm the one pulling the most electricity. You know, oh, this one left their Xbox on all day. <laughs> it right. was you but the whole time. <laughs> right. But, th- but that's what it'll tell you. Like it'll break yeah. it down. And once you find out what the room is or the device is, you know, then you can label it in the app. So then you can go back and do exactly what you're saying yeah. and say, Hey, listen, you know, that's how you kind of quantify say, if you can do this, See, okay, this month it's this much. If you can bring your particular tab down, something will be at the, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, who knows? Totally. Now, I fear we may have lost the listeners at this point <laughs> at the same time, but I do want to narrate quickly, Mark, and just say, because I'm, I can see you, whereas this is a listening uh, experience, is like the lights are on for you. Like this is, this is engaging in a way that might be different sure. than having to lecture your daughter about this. And so that's what I just want to get across to people is I like to say money isn't boring when it's yours. So it's like, yeah, there's economics. Yeah. There's, you know, huge spending trends, but also like, how can I change my equation in small ways? And that is actually interesting. It's also dorky, right? but it is legitimately interesting to be like, Oh wow. You know, if we did it this way, our water bill could be cheaper. Cause then every month, of your year and of your life, you're going to save money in that category. Well, it's also something that you, if you can build it in at the youngest possible age, it just becomes muscle memory. Yeah. Speak. Right. So if you're in the habit of, you know, kind of being dorky, like your dad, I guess, Yeah. you know, and you just, you, you're having a flipping a light switch off when you leave the room Mm -hmm. or I'm going to unplug this. And, you know, and like I said, I'm not a hypocrite. Like I, I leave stuff on, like there's no, let's make no mistake. Like I am just as guilty as everybody else in this house. Um, I'm just mentally trying to be better and I'm just yeah. trying to be aware of it. Anyways, we're, you know, we went from financial to this is one of the problems that I think a lot of people may have because sure, if, if you talk about wasted money or ways to save money, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me would be electricity. It could be, uh, you know, takeout food, you know, it could mm-hmm. be buying lunch at work. There was a, a stretch at work where I was buying lunch every day and it was, you know, five to six bucks and you don't realize it until I did my pivot tables and I said, Oh, look, I, I spent how much on this, yeah. you know, and you don't realize. And, um, 
you know, and I think you make a reference in your book, just to flash back to the book, you know, you talk about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and how cheap that could be to, to, I mean, for 10, 20 bucks, you can feed yourself for a week and a half or whatever yeah. it is. Right. But, but then that's boring. Right, you're like who wants to, who wants to eat a peanut oh, butter sandwich? Oh my goodness, my goodness, so boring. Yeah, can I jump in on that, please? Yeah, so in my twenties, my relationship with money was: you spend as little as possible, you save constantly, so that I worked a bunch of jobs I hated. I would work a job for a while, save money, and then I would quit. And I would I was trying to become a novelist, so all of a sudden I would be so home. You, you were good at saving money back in very the- good at saving money. Okay, that's impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I was the, I was not. It's so. the only thing I was good at, but I appreciate the All compliment. Right. And so what I discovered is I had this little philosophy or, or formula, which is, you know, when you don't love the job you have, save money, and then you can leave that job. Okay. And that worked really well in my 20s. But looking at it now, I go, okay, you mostly ate peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> pasta, and oatmeal every day. You lived in a cheap apartment. You drove a horrible, beat-up car. Like, it, what, I wasn't thriving on right. any measure. Like, yes, like within. There was treasure within. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I wrote. I was creative. I had good friendships. I wasn't like, I'm not saying money is everything. But I feel like that formula only got me to a place of, like, survival. And so some of the, something that I try to get across to people is, like, I'm not glorifying, like, don't buy coffee out, um, right. only eat cheap food. Like, a lot of times a joke in my presentations, I'll be like, what are you learning? And people will be like, don't have a girlfriend <laughs> because it's expensive. And I'm like, well, that's the opposite of my point, but that is a funny thing to say. <laughs> and so what I'm getting at is, like, think of it as a, a short time in your life to sacrifice to reach some type of goal or progress and then reassess. So budgeting okay. is a great example. People think of it as like, this is forever now. It's the end of fun. Can't do this anymore. <laughs> we love, we, me and my wife love going out to eat. We can't do that anymore because we did this yep. budget. Throw it away. No yeah. More. I don't yeah. think that works at all. That's not the way people function. Like we need reward. We need to celebrate. And so to me, it's a long way of saying this. Ironically, it should be a short attack period. Okay. And then you assess. So for me, I was living in this model that was kind of crappy, actually. Like I had some job freedom, but I didn't know how to progress to the next level. And what helped me progress was learning about investing, building credit, learning how to negotiate a better pay. Okay. You know, as an entrepreneur, I negotiate all the time as a business owner. And so I've had to learn that. But the other thing I learned, Mark, was confidence, You know, it was learning to walk through the scary door, to stand on front of a stage in front of people. Oh, yeah. um, To to, to be interviewed when there's a recording light. You know what I mean? Like to to write a book. I mean, I don't want to skip past this. Writing that book for me will always be different than it is for people who read it because I can see me sitting at this little kind of bar table in our apartment at like four in the morning writing this book. Cause I had insomnia for, uh, for a part of the time I was writing this book. I was like, could not sleep. I'd wake up at three in the morning and I would just write, just have at it. Yeah. And it was fun until I finished writing the draft and then it became very scary. Cause now I had to edit it and I had to have people read it <laughs> and it became very vulnerable feeling. Sure. And then eventually I hit submit on the, at the printer 
platform I use where it's like, now it's out there. I have an ISBN number. You know what I mean? This is like a real thing. And that's a very vulnerable process. And people write to me with really good comments. Um, there are also people who don't like the book. And so I have to, I have to always be saying yes to myself, being confident in myself. And I say that for all of us is like other people will say yes to us faster than we will. So like trust other people. Okay. Like put yourself out there. You're always your toughest critic is another way of putting it. Yeah. To end that story, I'll say when I, I remember the UPS guy arrived with my first copy of the book that like physical nervous delivered it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And my wife was out of town. And so I go to the front and he's there and he, he, I, I open it up. Right. And he's walking to his truck and I'm holding. I was going to ask you if you made him sit down with you and like, hey, can you share this moment with me? Like I, I tried can... to sign it, <laughs> yeah. sign it for him. He's like, I don't want it, man. <laughs> no. So I, I hold the book and I go, this is a moment I have dreamed of my whole life. I always wanted to be a writer. Here it is. Bright, happy colors. Yep. Funny, you know, picture of the dollar bill suit, you know, yep. there it is. And I'm, I'm overcome with this feeling of accomplishment and I have to share it. So the UPS guy is like about to get in his truck and I go, hey, I wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let somebody know. That's funny. And he, I'll never forget. He turns around and he goes, good for you, man. <laughs> like so genuine. And I was like. That was perfect. <laughs> I feel like that should be like a scene in a movie or some kind of sketch comedy. Like that's that. right. That's right. <laughs> you know, oh man, that story goes out to all of the uh, deliverer and workers and drivers who bring our <laughs> things because he could have just blazed by and he was like, "Good for you, man." And right. I was like, "Yeah." A little vote of confidence from the yeah. UPS guy, right? <laughs> you know, I think that what that what that's great though is you put yourself out there. Yeah, you know, and that's in any medium, right? So you and yep. you've been doing that for a long time because you get in front of the stage and you talk to people. Uh, did that take a while to get used to? Oh yeah, like oh yeah, okay. Because that's one of those things where you mentioned confidence, right? And confidence isn't something you can just wake up one day and say, "I'm confident today," you mm-hmm. know, because this goes across the board. I mean, this goes with any any job you have. The confidence to you know to do a podcast or to stand up and lecture people or to do different things. So you have the first book. Uh, do you have any intentions to do another? I would love to write another book on a different subject. Actually. Um, I would like to write a book about, about confidence, about courage and about mental health. And that's a big part of my journey that doesn't come up as much in this conversation, but I'll put it to you this way. Managing money is like, it's all about the human underneath it. Like anything we do, success, accomplishment. It's all about managing the human, managing yourself, getting to know yourself. And when I look at my career, what allowed me to get here was probably mainly confidence and mainly courage and learning how to know how I function and in yourself, in myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and and mental health is a big part of that because I'm somebody who struggled with depression almost my entire life. And could never figure out why when I was an adult. It's probably because you weren't sleeping very well. You went it's the funny you say that. That's where I was going. <laughs> okay. So this is a crazy story. When I'm um, writing this book, I am not sleeping. And part of it is like, cool, I'm very creative. I'm into it. I'm writing this book. This is great. But after a while, I start to go, you know, I'm waking up at 2 a.m. every morning and I'm writing this book. And then I'm living a normal day and then going to bed at 
10 or 11 and then waking up at two or three. Like I'm getting very little amounts of sleep. And my wife makes a comment that she says, you're kind of like manic, like your energy is kind of high speed, you know? And my whole life I had been diagnosed as having depression. So I was like, okay, well, what she describes as manic, I would describe as productive. <laughs> like, it seems like a great thing, right? Well, the proof's in the pudding, I'm right? Getting this you got book, the book I'm, done. I'm cranking yeah. through this book, you know? Uh, side note, uh, when I wrote the first draft of the book, it was 75,000 words. And my editor told me to cut it down to 50. So how many is it now? It's about 50,000. Okay. So I wrote an extra like 25,000 words. Like that's a big book. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I wrote this like, you know, novel on money because I was just, I was writing so much. And anyway, I went to the doctor about this. And it turned out that I have a different condition from depression. I'm bipolar two. The way I describe it to people is it's like the non-Kanye version of bipolar. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. I'm yeah, let you finish. <laughs> it's a lot more low profile than that, okay. you know. But it does involve periods of depression and then these upswings. And so that was a moment that changed my life because I was able to get on the right right diagnosis, right medication, right strategy. Okay. After 15, 20 years of thinking I'm just depressed, what's wrong with me? Why can't I push through this? That has become a big part of just who I am is like wanting people to know there's help out there. Um, you're not alone. Lots of people you wouldn't expect struggle with mental health and stay, stay the course, you know, ask for help. It's a lot of things I would say in the book on money, like learning how to be transparent with people, ask for help is really important. So I think if I was to write another book, I would love to write a funny book about mental health. A comedic guide to mental health. Exactly. There you go. There's so many parallels. And I think it really is a truly funny subject because, well, I should say it's not a funny subject, but it can be funny because um, when I did stand-up comedy, I discovered that you could mine your own depression for jokes and they would be like really funny. Well, it's making fun of yourself. hundred percent. Which is kind of like what we started talking about earlier. It's like, if you're making fun of your profession or your own, like you're not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. But because if you're not making fun of yourself, someone else might make fun of you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then it's not so funny yeah. anymore. Right? <laughs> I suppose like, that's true. <laughs> I look at it as you're having a laugh. You're, you're showing I'm okay with laughing at myself. Right. Like, I think it's actually a position of confidence. And acceptance like, as well. Yes, acceptance, 100%. So to me, there was this moment where I was doing stand-up. I would go to open mics, like, and I went through a really bleak period, a lot of depression. And I went to open mic every night, like five nights in a row. And I, and I remember thinking, there's something I'm trying to get from this that I'm not getting. Because I'm, like, not happy. Like you on stage. I'm on stage nights. being funny. And then I go off and I'm like, it's feel like crap again. At one point I decided to tell some stories about like what I'm like when I'm depressed. And I was kind of just saying, you know, you know, giving examples of junk food that I eat and, you know, I'm sitting alone in the dark eating a bag of Doritos and stuff like that. And you realize like, <laughs> holy crap, this is funny. Everybody, like people are nodding. Like Sounds everyone fabulous right yeah, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we go nacho or cool ranch. I do that you know. now to celebrate, you know. <laughs> I reward myself right. with a uh some time alone and some treats. Uh I am a treat monster, Mark, I'll be honest with you. Okay. I think that was like the light bulb was that most people want to know how to be happier, how to accept themselves more, 
and that it's okay to laugh about this in a healthy way. Yeah. You asked me this question. Now I'm like writing the book out loud. So I apologize. But I think it's that idea is that I would love people to know that it's okay in a healthy way to, to laugh about how you're not the person you thought you were going to be quite yet. And that that's okay. And that most people feel that way. Well, I think one thing to remember too is that, um, so for me, I've never been diagnosed with any, with any of those things. Not to say that I don't have any mental problems because I'm, I'm certain that I do. But if you can, for what I try to do is, you know, my, my wife works in that field a little bit, right? So I, we've had conversations about, you know, the way that I was raised and, and the way the world actually is now, right? Yeah. So uh, it's knowing that somebody's always, like someone that you don't, you don't know what they're going through, so to speak. Right. So by you saying that, it's 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 almost a shock to me because I'm like, you don't, I don't know how you notice if someone is suffering from depression or bipolar two or whatever. Like, because it's not like you have like a t-shirt you're wearing that says you have it or you have a badge on your sleeve, right? So yeah. like you walk around here, you, you know, we'll say normal for now. Like you just look like a regular dude and we're just having a conversation. So now that you say that and you're like, oh, here's some things I had to go through. Like, I would never know that. Yeah. And I think that if you multiply that by everyone you know, there's, I don't know the percentages, but let's just say it's 80% of the population is going through something mm-hmm. that the rest of the world doesn't know about. So everybody deals with yeah. something, everybody's going through something. So I think just part of being a human, and I don't want to get too like preachy or whatever, but it's like just treating people at an even keel because you don't know what they're going through. Like, yeah, I, I'll have different problems, but these are my problems. You yeah. Know what I mean? And I'm going to have stressful days and I'm going to take it out on somebody and it's not their fault. But then the same thing happens. If I'm yelling at you for something that for leaving a light on or whatever, well, you right. might be going through something else, which is why you didn't turn the light off to begin with. Or, or oh, something. that's very, you know that's I mean? very evolved, Mark. So that's very you know, evolved. People. I feel like I've grown as a human uh, <laughs> at some points. <laughs> I would, I would imagine. So, so, you know, four, four kids, yeah. uh, husband, you know, all these things about you, they, they, test you and they cause you to to grow and to yeah. to understand yourself and I guess what I would say is I make a conscious effort to share that because for most of us you wouldn't know that that's going on. I like talking about it because I believe that. I you're, believe you're not that embarrassed by it. You know, no, you don't, no, no. you don't look at it as a as a flaw in your personality. I you, mean, I I did when I was younger. Sure. You know, and I I think I, I say this to anyone who would feel that way. That's why I share it. Cause I want you to know, like, you're not the only one. And you talked about a little bit about like us growing up. That's part of the problem mm. is that I don't think people were like all mentally healthier in the seventies and eighties. It's and just 90s. untreated. It's right? just, we did, it was untreated yep. and we didn't talk about it. And I have, you know, older people in my life who still just go, Oh, we just, we just, never talked about that. We just didn't. So it's like, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just means we didn't talk about it. And then we all kind of draw the wrong conclusion from that. Yeah. Is like, Oh, this generation now they're so like, they have all of these challenges and they're so into their own mental health. It's like, yeah, because finally (laughs) we're able to talk about it openly and have names for these things. Like for me to know that what I have is called bipolar two, I cannot tell you what a gift that is to have a name for it. So now when I, my, my challenge is if I don't sleep well, like four or five nights in a row, it will start to trigger that. And I can go into a manic uh, state. And all that means for me, I'm very fortunate, 
is I'm just like very high energy and I'm very productive and I'm very like, I'm inspired by everything. Okay. Like anything you say, I'm like, oh my God, that's so, you know, it's like, it's a little bit like cartoonish, (laughs) but I don't go gamble and I don't go, you know, get on stage and interrupt celebrities, you know, like it's pretty, it's pretty (laughs) low key, but knowing that I can kind of then manage it and I can give my wife, my sweet, beautiful wife some space. Well played. Yeah, when I'm when I'm in that, so that you know, so that she wants to continue being my sweet, beautiful wife. Yeah, <laughs> and so so I know how to manage it, and that has changed my life. And so I think that's the point: is wanting people to know there's probably a name for what you are struggling with. It'll be so awesome for you to ask for help because someone can help you find it. It circles back to just the term confidence. Yeah, right. it gives you the yeah, confidence yeah, yeah. to do those things, totally. to ask for help, to receive help, you know, is another piece of that. So that's pretty cool. As a public speaker who had this but didn't know what this was, I had some horrible times, Mark. Really? Oh, yeah. So you get off stage and you just go to a dark place and not really sure why. Or, or on stage. Really? You had some <laughs> breakdowns on stage? Yeah, I call it. Are no, those no, on no. You, are those on YouTube? No, <laughs> I know. Here's the problem. I'm a pro. So you wouldn't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I have this one memory in particular. There are a a number of them, not that many. And fortunately I'm good at what I do. I'm able to kind of switch on the right, you know, circuits so I can do a good job in front of the audience. But I've had a couple where I was struggling right up until I went up there. And then as soon as it was over, that is very difficult on your system to be, it's almost like, you know, the idea of like you pretend to be someone in public and you're really someone else in private. Like I had that on almost like a cinematic movie scale hmm. because I'm literally like, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. Oh, I'm on a jumbotron. Like that's not enough space. That's a that's a switch. Yeah. You need <laughs> you need a half hour of like Enya and like, you know, calming and you know, before you go to that. Like that is social anxiety on a big TV. For people to watch. That's that's not fun. But the point of the story is not to not to make you uncomfortable, yeah. make your listeners uncomfortable. It's that I just didn't know what was going on. And so I kept asking for help and I kept trying to deal with it and read about it. And eventually I figured it out. I look at that guy now. I have a video of one of those talks. I'm like, man, you would never know. So like like if I watched it, I wouldn't know the difference. You wouldn't but, know. But you would. Because, I would. Yeah. There's, I mean, if you want to get nitty gritty, there's a funny moment in this speech. It was a very big audience, this talk. And obviously I was nervous anyway, but there's a moment where I, I told a story and then I said, and that's how I realized that's something I do. I tell a story and then I have like a takeaway Yep. and I shared a takeaway and then I go, and that's how I realized. And I share a different takeaway right after it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I glitched. wonder how many people caught on. Like you know? I glitched and I knew I did it. And I just smiled and kept going. And I the audience knew it too. That's funny. But then like they move on. They forget. You move on. Like it's just a moment. But for me, it was like what I call depression brain where everything's just really foggy and slow. And you're like, you're just kind of not at your best, you know? And so I, I just love that. I was like, if you watch a video, I'm like, everyone's like, good message. And then I just I add an unrelated thing. And they're like, okay. <laughs> But that's going to be tough just to like, so what I, like my brain doesn't work that way. Right. So I'm over here and I got my, my iPad with my notes right? Yeah. so I can get my bullet points. So you're up on stage and you're doing a, I don't know, 30 minute or 60 minute or however long you're up there. 
I mean, this is for any entertainer, really. That's yeah. Like, you have to almost rehearse that story. Like, are mm-hmm. you in the mirror saying it 12 times or whatever? Oh, yeah, before? yeah. A lot of rehearsal, for sure. I do live storytelling. That's sort of my passion on the side. I use some of it in my speeches, but it would be more like, here's a true story from my life that I just want you to feel like you were right there. Yeah. You know, I want to create it that way. It takes a lot of work. I'll bet. To get it to that place where you feel like you were there, it takes a lot of work. And so by the time a story is ready, I do these like six, seven minute stories. I did some story on the moth years ago. Uh, If you're familiar with the Monty here in North Carolina, it's similar. I've done stories there, like big audience. In that situation, you kind of got all the words in order. Like you, you really go up there with a plan. Okay. What I will say is when I give a talk, I've got half an hour, an hour. I want to be as conversational as possible. So I got to know my stuff, but I also got to leave space. Yeah, freewheel it a little to, bit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Crowd work, they call it in comedy. You know, like I'm asking the audience questions because I want to know, you know, if we're talking about financial education, I might be like, what was your first car? And like, what did it teach you about money, about being a grown up? Do you remember your it, first car? Your eyes just looked so I No, I, I do remember my first car. It was a 1984 Ford Tempo. Oh, I remember it well. <laughs> it was uh, two colors. It was partly blue, partly rust. Okay. <laughs> <That's the two. laughs> yep, it was awesome. It was awesome. Got for a couple hundred bucks. And uh, yeah, I got made fun of that thing every single day, but Did I, I didn't care. Like, it was like, you know, fun. Like, like oh, you got the tempo. Like, but I'm so glad I had it because it was my beater. You know? Yeah. Yep. That was your first car. My first car. Yeah, yeah. so that's where you want to start. The, the speedometer or the tachometer, whatever it's called, broke. So at one point, I didn't really know how fast I was ever going. So that was dangerous. I had the same thing. My first car was a 1984 Dodge Omni. Very small car. Yeah, they don't make those anymore, I don't think. It was in pristine shape. Um, Before you you got your hand Before I got it. (laughs) (laughs) We bought it for 400 bucks. It was a beautifully maintained car. And I took it to college. I put nine people in it at one point to drive Dang. like down the road to a state park. And, you know, it like turned like slower, like a boat. And I'm like, oh, this is funny. Like now I'm like, yep, oh my God, are you kidding jackets, me? You know. What are you doing? It was, <laughs> you know, like fantastic, you know, used car. And um, there was an the oil light. Some of the display lights would come on. There's an oil light that would come on. And I was like, yep. yeah, it's just something's wrong with the light. I think we know where that story is going. The light must be broke, yeah. No way I got any low oil. Well, sometimes a broken light is also an accurate light, you know? And so I'm on the highway or something, and all of a sudden smoke comes out. I'm with some friends. We're going to a concert. And that was it. That was the end of that car. Damn. So that that's my lesson. But I'm, I'm jumping in on your Ford Tempo story. But it's true. It's like that first car, like, teaches you a lot and – you're well, going to make mistakes with it. Well, it, talk, it, it talks about like when, you know, we were talking about the electrical. Like if you're not paying for it yourself, you don't fully appreciate where your money goes. Yeah. So I had the car. I had a job. I worked a lot when I was in high school. But, I, you know, to be honest, I was actually decent at saving. I was decent at spending as well. But I would. <laughs> I did have a savings account. There was a, there was a bank near my house that had a, a passbook savings, right? So this yeah. was before online banking. But I didn't have an ATM card for it. I didn't have a debit card. You had to go in there physically with this little passbook. And I opened the bank because at one point I had a paper route, paper route, paper route, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's where that's where they held. So I had to oh, open the account. And it was awesome because I'd go in there and I could deposit like 100 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever I wanted to put in there. 
And then, you know, if you don't go there for a couple of months, they're printing the lines of interest. Like, Oh, I made a dollar 50 or, you know, yeah. like you just see it building up and that's, that's exciting. Like that's that, uh, I don't know, dopamine or whatever. Like, totally. Oh, look, I made an extra three or $4, like by not totally. spending my money. And you start thinking that way. And I did that for a little while where I would take some of my money and I'd, I'd put it in a shoebox, And then when I had a certain amount, I'd take it to the bank once a month or whatever. And, you know, so, you know, some of that has carried over into, uh, into my adult life, but then yeah. you run into those situations where maybe job security is not always there. Like in the, mm-hmm. in my twenties sure. and thirties where you like, you think you got a good job and things are going well, but then, I mean, life happens, right? Yeah. You just don't know where that leads to. So you, you want to save this money. You want to contribute to this 401k or put this much in savings and have this, but you know, you hit obstacles, you know? Well, and I want to say, Mark, like that's so relatable. I feel that too. And I know a lot of people do. And I just want to say like, we all need to be easy on ourselves. Yeah. Because the system that we live in here in the in America, it's not set up for us to thrive automatically or easily. There's a lot of things that we don't have access to that make it a lot harder. You know, health costs are incredibly high. The at this point the used car market is almost as high as the, the new roof. car market. Yeah. I mean, things that we've never seen before you know, in our lifetimes or in recent history in this country. And it's, and there are a lot of bills and costs with inflation last year, we saw costs go up on basic utilities and gas and eggs and things that used to be. <laughs> That's great. The right? eggs thing is crazy. Wasn't it great to yeah. spend $7 for 12 eggs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, what I'm saying is, and it's not that it's necessarily like someone's fault or someone else's fault, but it's not just like, why can't I do better with my budget? It's also, I'm doing the best I can in a system where a lot is flying at me all the time. And I don't have access to some of the great tools that, that would really help me thrive. Yeah, not access or unaware of them. Yeah, both. Yeah, a little bit of both. You know, yeah. I've seen commercials. I talked about Mint earlier. I've seen commercials for it in one ear out the other. Right. And now I'm, I'm going through your book and I'm like, okay, like, so I've, positioned you as someone who like, Oh, here's an expert that I want to listen to. Yeah. So you're telling me about mint. I'm like, well, now I'm going to give it a chance. There you go. You know what I mean? Because it, it got me to focus on it as opposed to, Oh, it's an ad on my social media stream. Like, Oh, whatever. Like, I don't like you're just a random ad that pops up. Yeah. You know, whereas you're telling me to check it out. So a trusted source, I'm going to check it out. Well, I've come a long way, Mark, because early in the interview, you called me an expert with finger quotes. So it feels like I've, I've, yep, I've crossed over. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You've convinced me uh, throughout this conversation. I'm glad you read the book and I, or, or starting to read the book. Yep. And I would recommend it for anybody who feels like they want to feel more confident. They want to understand the basic landscape of managing their money. It's great for young people, but it's also great at any age because of your our comments that most people don't get this class growing up. And so you end up kind of learning. And even now I think young people are, there's this thing called the Flynn effect I'm obsessed by, which is this idea that each generation is actually verifiably smarter than the generation before them. And so we like to like, there's all these jokes about, Oh, millennials and the, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, actually, no, they, they had more access to more information faster. Yeah. And so they are, according to the Flynn effect, actually testably smarter. So my point is you keep going down the generations to the youngest people we have now. These are people who have access to financial education almost anywhere through YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all these things. So in that case, 
the conversation changes where I want to add an element, which is figuring out who you can trust and who you can't. Because a lot of the financial education has been co-opted into, and if you buy my course, I will show you how to be a millionaire uh, using this system, the easy system I use. It's always drop shipping, by the way, for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but it's, you know, and they'll tap into themes like masculinity, like you want to be like in charge, you want to be like respected, well, you want to do this. What all of that does, I think is it blurs the lines of what's a trusted advisor. Right. So what I just want people to know is get all the awareness and education you can, but always be asking yourself, what is the benefit for this person telling me this? Like, I'll be transparent. Uh, I get hired to speak. That's my business. Yeah. So when I talk to you about my book, if you buy my book, by the time Amazon takes their cut, I'll make $3. Right. So I don't have a scam. (laughs) (laughs) I I spent a lot of time on this book because I – for me, it's a way to give you more than I can give you in that one conversation. But like, that's always a good question to ask is where is this advice? What is the bias coming from behind this advice? And I try to be really open about mine is just trying to share the message. I think that's an awesome, um, it's an awesome point because like you said, trust is, is one of those things. What are their, what are their motives to get back to your, uh, the Flynn theory? Yeah. Um, I agree. The information's out there. Mm-hmm. I think where and I'll probably get flamed for this a little bit, where this generation lacks, I think is, and this isn't 100% across the board, but I think it's the work ethic, right? Mm. So the information's out there. It doesn't mean they're going to get it, right? Huh. It's a, it's a, I think it's more of a, I hate to say a lazy generation because I think we're all <laughs> lazy to a degree, right? Uh-huh. But we've become a society that's become lazy with smart everything. I mean, we look at like, the smart lights, the smartphones, like, you know, it's just, everything is just, at our disposal as opposed to before it wasn't. Yeah. And I don't want to be like, Oh, back in the day, you know, this is how it was. But you know, there's certain, there's certain lessons that you get taught the hard way that you don't always do. They're not teaching those things now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, so I agree there, the information is out there. And I think if someone is willing to go grab it uh, and if they have that kind of hustle or that mentality, you're right. They, they can be every bit better than 20 years ago or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I think that in my experiences, I don't see everyone doing that. And, and for the record, my experiences are, are small. I'm not, I'm not hanging out with a bunch of high school kids and, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. but, but that's the stuff that you see. Like when you have these 20 something year olds, there are those that hustle and there are those that do that and good for them. And hopefully they're able to teach their kids or maybe they were taught that, you know what I mean? So interesting. Yeah. Can, can I ask you yeah. about that? Please. You mentioned there were lessons that you learned growing up that they're not getting now. Mm-hmm. What, like, what do you mean? Well, when you think about uh, think about everything you do on the internet, right? Like, I mean, it could be as simple as uh, making a phone call. You can go. So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'll tell us that my son had his uh, license plate stolen off his car. Out of oh the wow! Line, right back in the day, like you could call the DMV. Like you can't, you couldn't go online and print a form or order something. You got to go down there wait in line just to fill out the form and triplicate, like total pain in the ass, right? I mean, not yeah. to say the DMV is a, a, a breeze now, I mean, but it's a lot better than it was. <laughs> it's a party but, in there. <laughs> but it's just one of those little, like, it's this, this little shortcuts here and there throughout life that, that mm-hmm. we all enjoy, you know what I mean? And to the point, like, my lines have been blurred too because there's so many things that are cheap, like, not cheaper, but easier uh, to do now than it was. Like, oh, I can just click here. The Mint app for my budget. You yeah. Know, what about before? If I'm if I'm buying a notebook that's uh, graph paper, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm ruining this, I'm pulling out, uh, 
a physical calculator that takes batteries, you know, not the one that's on the computer or on my phone, you know? Yeah. So we're all walking around with computers in our hand, which is a luxury that we all take part in, mm-hmm. but you know, those make us lazy, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay. So in a, is it fair to say then that the laziness that you're seeing part of it is just that we have access to more toys and, and I say lazy, I'll things say that we didn't have before conveniences. We'll say they, yeah. conveniences that, you know, and we all capitalize on these things. Like yeah. every business thing, like just, just talking about finance and videos, like you can go on YouTube and learn about anything you want at this right. point. Right. You don't have to go down to a community center or to a library and try to find an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Right. You got Google, you yeah. got the answers. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. things like that where, you know, that's interesting. It's it's not always in the negative sense. I don't mean to paint it like, oh, we're lazy and that's negative. Like, absolutely not. Like I, I, I'm fully happy with where society is, you know, now, yeah. but it just, and I don't have any exact examples. I'll have to think of some and I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, I, I mean, th- throughout my, throughout my days, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, oh, back in the day we had to do it this way. And then I definitely sound like an old man when I do that. But um, <laughs> when you said, <laughs> when you said this generation, there's a, there's a joke, which is hashtag this generation. It's like, I'm beginning the, this a sentence that's many people say, you know, yeah, here we go. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this generation. Yeah. Roll I your mean, eyes here. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> For so, sure. so I'll tell you my bias is that I will always, I'm convinced of the brilliance in almost everyone I meet and I tend to see young people as getting kind of punched down on. Mm. So that's my bias. Okay. And so that's why I wanted to know more about it. Cause I, I don't agree on paper with what you're saying that, that, that people are, kids are lazier now than they were, but it's interesting to yeah. hear more. Cause I, I do think you're right that, that there are more conveniences than we had before. That's certainly true. You know, life even before the internet was so different. Yeah. But I think what I look for is then, has that only affected kids? So I'll put it this way. Um, oh, absolutely not. Right? Absolutely not. There's yeah. a slide I like to do in my in my uh, talk sometimes to educators, which is like four, you know, quote unquote, t- stereotypical teens, like leaning against a wall and they're all on their phones. No one's talking to each other. And everybody kind of laughs at that. Like we've seen that yeah. scenario. And then I click a, the slide changes and it's four adults leaning against a wall, looking at their phones, Doing the same not thing. talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, that also feels true. You know, like it's it's affected all of us. Yep. And that's what I think about the internet is there are the even just saying the internet that way sounds very like I'm I come from a different moment in history that I can ex- remember what it was like before it. You're right. I mean, you're right in the sense that the level of access we have to things is infinitesimally more than it was. And I wonder if it makes us happier. I wonder if it makes us feel more free. Something that I think of is, I was saying this to my wife, Lindsay, the other day. When's the last time I just sat and listened to an album just A to Z? Because we used to have CDs, so that would be mm. what you would do. Like, you didn't, you there was no YouTube to watch any particular song you just heard in a movie. And you go, okay, Creed 3, final song. And then you can just listen to it. Yeah. You know? Like, we just didn't have that. So we had less access. And I think that that made in certain ways was really enjoyable. Yeah. And so I, I feel like now I have access to everything I could ever want. And I don't, I, I don't feel happier in my 
experience of music than I did when I had 10 songs. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. Like when you talk about music, right? Like that's, that's a convenience that like, I never want to go back to that. Yeah. If you hear a song on the radio yeah, yeah. before and like, Oh, when am I going to play this? And you got the, the cassette tape in there ready to, to record, record. It. Yeah. yeah. But now you hit Shazam. It, oh, that's, Oh, that's a new yeah. song from Metallica or something. And then it's like, now, now it's your song, Yeah, you know, cause it's all included. Um, so those are the conveniences that I think nobody wants to get rid of. Like, I love those things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go back. So you, you make the joke about the adults. Like I used to, I worked a lot of time in, in restaurants, uh, you know, many moons ago, you go to a table and then before adults and they're, they're all on their phones. So I actually have made jokes to them like, Hey, you guys all texting each other. Let's you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like just look up, like you're right here. Let's you know what I mean? Let's our weapons for an right, hour. Like, so I think there's some, there's some good and bad to it. And yeah. I mean, you certainly work with more uh, of the younger generation. So, so I, I'll defer to your uh, expertise uh, with the quotes again. Oh, right? we're back to the quotes. <laughs> back to the quotes. Uh, <laughs> I've, it's been a lateral or backwards yeah. move. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, cause you're, you're surrounded by that more, right? So I think if you're seeing something differently than, uh, then I'm happy to have you prove me wrong or change my opinion. On well, that I, that's you know? all we can ask for, right? There's merit to what both of us are saying. When you talk about the music, I always give this example of waiting to record a song and so on Sunday nights, there was a station where I lived would play like the top 50 songs 50, and they would wow. count them down, right? So it would be like a four-hour thing with all the ads and everything. And there was this one song I'd heard by the Smashing Pumpkins and it was called Disarm and I didn't have the CD and I wanted to record the song. And so I waited the like from 50 because it had been, let's say it had been 36, <laughs> right? So yeah. I get to 36 and I haven't done it. It ends up being it's like the 14, top 14 songs. So I've waited hours and I hear the like the beginning of the guitar and I go, oh my God, is it? I hit record and I'm recording it. And the whole time I'm thinking, I got it. I got this song. As soon as I'm done, I can play this song. If you know the song Disarm, it's very sad. You yeah. know, it's like a sad. Uh, melodramatic. Melodramatic song. Yeah. <laughs> There's a part in the middle where it's just instrumental. And one of the DJs turns on his mic and he goes, <laughs> 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 totally ruined the and song I'm for going, you. No, you know this is the greatest loss <laughs> of my of like bitch. sixteen year old life. Like I almost had this song. Oh man, <laughs> we used to have to go down to like you know um, strawberries or Newberry Comics. Yeah, uh, Sam Goodies. Like oh fun. Like, yeah, I, man, that was an experience. I loved going to buy CDs, probably to a fault. Like yeah, the biggest yeah, thing yeah. I spent money on as a teenager, it was definitely you know CDs and you know. Same. I mean, I don't want to say it was good old days because it was really a pain in the ass when you when you think about it. But but you know what's funny too? There's a comedian made a comment to this. It's like it's good old days because you were young. Like well, that's what you remember. Like that's the factor. Is yeah. you're like it was it was better back then. Yeah, because you were young. Yeah, <laughs> you had a very different experience. Things were less stressful. Things less were responsibilities. More, were smaller and more understandable. And <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> that's for the sure. factor. So uh, all right, so let's do this. So you have um, I'm going to put in the show description um i'll get the links to anyone can find you yeah. on social media um i'm going to put a link to your book if anyone else wants to check it out get you that extra three bucks thank um, you so, so that, much <laughs> so that'll be fun <laughs> um i can tell you it's an easy read i'm not a reader uh and my wife will attest to that so the fact that i was trying to read a half an hour every day mm -hmm. uh this week because i wanted to yeah. get as far through it as i could knowing that you were coming over oh and nice. i said i wanted to have a little bit of something in there. Um, and I'm glad I did. Like I, I found myself, you know, longer. I think I missed one day or two, but then I was like, Oh, let me just continue reading. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I honestly, I really appreciate that. You didn't What's, have to do that. It, no, it was. I know, but it's you good could have stuff. pretended. I think. Well, that's true. I don't. I, I don't want to fake anything here. You know? But uh, great but book, I, Colin. <laughs> I could have took the bookmarks out. So I'm like, you oh, could I have. You could have. I read it already. You know? it Look, I highlighted great. pages at the back, so you can know. Yeah, I read yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I love that last sentence of the book. It was really good. <laughs> no, I mean that book. Thank you for putting the links to it. That book is really meant to be a first crossing through the door, first date, first hour with finance. And so if that is something you need a young person in your life to have that experience, you want them to, or you want it for yourself, highly recommend it. I wrote it to be very readable. When I give talks, it's often in the same vein. I speak a lot at colleges and I speak at companies as well, because a lot of this stuff is is ageless, yeah. needed information. Is there an audio version coming There's out? There's an audio book, yeah. There's is an there audio really? book on Amazon. See, had yeah. I found that, as, had I noticed that, I would have got the audio book. Yeah. That's how lazy I've become. Well, <laughs> no, and, you, and that's why I did it. And that's a, its own whole behind-the-scenes story because that's a lot of reading. Is it you reading it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't fully uh, guess how much work that was going to okay. be <laughs> to read it. That's and uh, to read it and then, you know, cut out the parts where I coughed or I said a word wrong. And it was, oh, yeah, it was that's... quite a production. But I, I did it because I want this to be as easy as possible for folks. Right. You want to make it available as many yeah. different, you know, avenues. Totally. Right. Uh, yeah. So we'll put all that stuff out there. Um, I think it's been, um, you know, it's been awesome having you on. I think yeah. that if uh, if anytime you want to come back on and just kind of hang out, we like we were talking offline about a lot of the other different subjects that we didn't even really get into. Like we were just kind of getting into finance and just telling your story, That's which, true. which That's I'm happy true. to do that. So, but yeah, so we'll check it out. We'll um, we'll get some stuff up here and see what's going on because you, I mean, you know, because you being from uh, Vermont, I think there's probably some stories because I'm from the New England area. Yeah, as well. yeah. So maybe some stuff there, but. I mean, I was only there 15 years. You know, I don't have any any memories. Yeah, that's, come that's up. a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been in North Carolina for just over that. So, oh, you have? Yeah, okay. I think 06, uh, we 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 trekked down here. So actually, yeah, 17, 18, whatever it is. I don't know. I can't count. Okay, right. so same thing. Yeah, it's been three three for us that we've been here, and uh, yeah, it's still. I mean, we love it, but there's still this whole chapter of our life is in Vermont. It's my my wife and I met. That's where I started doing stand up, and I would go to like all these. Oh my gosh, I would drive two and a half hours to perform at a pizza place for like <laughs> six people, you know, and and it would still be amazing. It would be an amazing experience. But you got to put in the work. You, know? you got you to put the time in. <laughs> and then you would get 20 bucks and you'd be like, this does not cover even the gas. The I gas spent or the pizza that I'm about to buy yeah, and take yeah. home. <laughs> it was a big deal if they would give you a free drink or a free slice of pizza. I got a slice. You know? <laughs> that's Man. the level we're working on. That's awesome. And I loved it. <laughs> but, but that's, that's you got to you gotta work those circuits. Absolutely. You know? All right, so what we'll put on here, like I said, on your site, we'll have if anyone wants to, you know, check you out. Like, it gets you got yeah. some YouTube clips up there too, so they can they can see you live in action. Awesome. Any uh, any shout outs? Any any last thoughts you're thinking about before we? Um, thank you. Shout out. That's a thank you to all of the people in my career who've reminded me they have an interesting story. Mm. You know that they that they're on a journey. They've overcome things. They're headed somewhere really special. I think that has kept me grounded in a really I'm a very, very a very positive outlook of humanity, you know, and yeah. I think um, I'm a human. I'm probably biased, but I, I've met so many great people. No, you have so. a, you have a great demeanor about you with, yeah. you know, uh, and I think when we were, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, just when we were talking about the, the millennial piece, like you have a lot of faith in humans 
I do. I do. <laughs> and I have, and I have faith in older generations too. It's of not course. like only aimed one way, but I think I think there's a lot of narratives and rhetorics that travel very easily that paint pictures about okay. huge groups of people. And I always laugh because it's like if you hear a joke about men or a joke about women, it's like, yeah, you're talking about billions of people yeah. are that placeholder, whatever the joke is. And it's not that I'm like joke police. Like I'm sure it's funny, but it's also <laughs> on a zoom out. It's a funny concept that you're like, women are like this. And it's like, you're talking about like, I don't know how many billions of people in the world, you know? Right. It yeah, sort you, of breaks you down can't a paint little. Them all with the same brush. You yeah. Know, and another yeah. funny one um, real quick is millennials because somewhere along the way that became a very popular kind of joke structure is like these entitled millennials, you know, millennials now are, have children in college. You know what I mean? Like this category stopped being kids a long time ago. That's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Millennials are 40, 42 years old, you know? So I just think that's a funny analogy too. Like someone's dad being like, these, these millennials. And you're like, you know that I'm a millennial. <laughs> like I own a house. I'm, <laughs> I have children. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I think everyone's quick to, I'm a contributor at this point. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Anyway, I, I I went off the rails there, but um, and I want to say thank you to you. I really appreciate appreciate you inviting me, and I, I love that you're doing this and helping people tell their story and tell their favorite Marvel movie villain. It's all good, <laughs> you know. It's all uh, matters. So shout out to Tim. That was a yeah, it was Tim, a good episode. episode. Yeah, podcasting is a lot of fun. Um, I would actually be after talking with you and doing my research on you. I'm surprised that you don't have one for yourself that you. Well, I do actually. Do you I really? Do yeah, I not, yeah. but it's not as clearly connected <laughs> on my website. I, okay. I do a side thing, which is I coach uh, leaders, educators, experts to be better public speakers. Okay. And so I have a podcast called Communicate Like a Leader. I don't post on that a lot. Okay. Like I kind of go in in seasons. So I'm currently on a break is from that the second the- season underdog finance videos so it's called communicate like a leader you'll find it on podcasts yeah failed again oh you're good you're good and what's been cool about that is and i'm literally not name dropping and trying not to sound like i am but (laughs) no i've had some let me put it this way i've had some people come on who are like amazingly accomplished in their careers okay you know leaders where you're like oh my gosh tell their story yeah yeah and these are people who are very nervous to talk about themselves. They're nervous to speak to an audience. They have the same fears that we all do. So I find that sort of side project to be really fun because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I help you push through some of these confidence struggles you're having, like the impact that you are going to have and continue to have is really, I feel odd. You're able to put your imprint a little bit on them and yeah, yeah, I'm like cool. the I'm like the boxing coach in Rocky. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just let me help you like learn some techniques, and then you're gonna go run the franchise. You know, yeah. you're gonna go do. You're gonna have a big impact. So that that's a, a side thing I do, and I don't care if you found it or didn't found it. It's completely fine. <laughs> but I do like doing podcasts. But then I'm the type of person I'm interested in lots of different things. So I'll do that for a while, and then I'll go do talks for a while, and I'll do this and that. And so I'm I'm all over the place. Well, maybe um, you know, we'll talk offline about this, but maybe we'll have you come back on and you can you can be a co-host for something and come in and just oh, that's chime fun. in with some funny stuff. Let's I think do that a might movie one. I would love to talk. I love talking okay. movies. So let's get somebody who has 
some opinions or or they've done some scholarly research <laughs> <laughs> on some type of movie like Hong Kong action films or something. And okay, we'll break it okay. down. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely do that because I'm 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 a huge fan of movies. Sweet, um, sweet. So we'll, we'll we can make that work out for cool. sure. Well, cool, thank man. you. All right. Well, if you want to, um, if you want people to see that podcast piece, just send me that information. I can put that in the show yeah, notes sure. as well. But so whatever you want people to know about, we'll toss out there uh, and we'll go from there. But, uh, but thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks everybody for listening and uh, stay casual. <laughs>